All right. Well, welcome. We are uh, talking this week. Uh, we're starting a new series uh, this week. For uh, We're going to go probably for the next four weeks on this. Uh, and the name of the series is What Do We Deserve? And, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing uh, that the Lord doesn't give us what we deserve. Many times we think, well, I, I deserve more, and uh, I deserve more from the Lord. I deserve for the Lord to do more in my life. And uh, I think quite the opposite is true. Thank, thank goodness he doesn't give us what we deserve. Because uh, uh, the very first one that we're going to talk about today is we deserve condemnation, but Jesus gives us mercy. So thank goodness that he doesn't give us what we deserve, all right? So uh, we're just going to kind of dive right in here. Uh, what do we deserve? We deserve condemnation, but Jesus gives us mercy. Uh, have you ever been caught doing something wrong? Uh, I know, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we get caught speeding and we get a ticket. Uh, sometimes we get caught in a lie. Sometimes we get caught gossiping, talking behind somebody's back. Sometimes we get caught cheating on a test or cheating at a, a game, something like that. Um, anytime we get caught, and probably there is uh, at some point we've all gotten kind of caught red-handed, if you would, uh, gotten caught with our uh, hand in the cookie jar. And uh, when we get caught, it's humiliating, and uh, we are ashamed. And uh, so uh, I wanted to kind of start today with the definition of deserve, if you will uh, look at the definition of deserve. It says to do something or have or show qualities worthy of reward or punishment, all right? And so mainly today what we're going to talk about is uh, doing something that's worthy of punishment. And uh, the Lord uh, knows that we, we are going to do many things in our lifetime that are worthy of punishment, but the Lord... Um, gives us mercy and shows us mercy and grace. The Bible puts it this way in another part of the Bible. It talks about how he is long-suffering. That means uh, he puts up with a lot from us. He, uh, he has a lot of patience with you and I. And so, uh, so we're going to talk this, uh, we're going to tell the story today of the woman caught in adultery. Uh, and again, uh, this can apply to any sin, anything that we've been caught and we know that we deserve to be punished. We've been caught red-handed, if you would. And uh, so when we get caught, uh, it's humiliating. We're ashamed. We're ashamed that we got caught. We're ashamed of what we're, we were doing. And so uh, we're going to talk about that story today, the woman that was caught in adultery. And it's in John chapter 8, starting at verse 2. And so if you would, read it. Read along with me. It says, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all of the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. All right. So the woman is brought in. And uh, basically what we're seeing here is the scribes and the Pharisees trying to set Jesus up. Uh, they really didn't care so much about the woman caught in adultery. Uh, they didn't really care uh, about everything. They, they were just looking uh, for an available moment, an available uh, time and available sin, if you would, to try and catch Jesus and uh, and really embarrass him and really try to trying to prove that he was not the Son of God, that he was not who he said he was. And so um, this woman is brought in, uh, and probably what has happened, they they set it all up and they were waiting, and so they brought her in probably uh, as right after it happened. So she's brought in public and. Uh, 
She's probably only partially clothed or naked. She's brought in public, and they bring her out into the town square and into the, the place where Jesus was there. And uh, they do all that to publicly humiliate her. And uh, so if you'll notice here, too, it's also kind of a double standard uh, that it takes two to commit adultery, but there's never any mention of the man in this story. There's never any mention of the man committing adultery. Uh, so it's definitely a double standard. Again, none of that was important to the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, they were going to use this woman to try and trip Jesus up and use the situation. Um, here's the thing. The woman is definitely guilty. She was caught in the act. Um, you know, when, when you and I are guilty, when we get caught and we're guilty, uh, one of the things that will immediately begin uh, is that we will begin to receive those voices of condemnation in our head. And uh, they will come from, from within ourselves. They'll maybe come from people outside that know we got caught. And so they begin to uh, give words of condemnation to us. Our own conscience, our own mind, other people, society, culture. Uh, again, especially when it's a public humiliation like this, there will be voices of condemnation. And I'm sure that uh, this woman experienced those voices of condemnation, uh, which basically can go kind of go like this no matter what the sin is. Uh, your life is over. Uh, no one is ever going to want you. There is no way back. Uh, you call yourself a believer, but God will never forgive you. You're not worth of anything. You're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy of God's forgiveness. Uh, and so, you know, again, this story is about sexual sin, but it can be anything. Uh, it can be uh, everything from overeating, uh, not being healthy, not taking care of ourselves, overspending, uh, spending money that we don't have, uh, running up credit card debt. It can be substance abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. It can be putting things in our body that are tearing our body apart, tearing our lives apart. Uh, it can be anger. There's a big, uh, I tell you, one of the things I see as a counselor uh, more and more these days is people with anger issues, people not being able to control uh, their anger in their life. And uh, so... It can be any of these things that begin this process of the voices of condemnation. And basically, there is a shame identity. Whenever those voices of condemnation come, this is the game the devil plays. Uh, and he puts it in your head. I did bad, therefore I am bad. And the devil is trying to sell us a lie. He's trying to tell us God could never love you. God could never forgive you of that. The sin was too terrible. What you've done in your life is too terrible. You've caused too much destruction. And so God can't use you. You're trash. God is just going to toss you off to the side. And I want to give you encouragement today. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, the Lord loves you no matter what your past is. The Lord is not concerned with our past. He's concerned with where do we want to go from here. Uh, now, again, what happens is, is we, uh, uh, it does not do away with the consequences. When, we, uh, when there's sin in our life, we are going to, even though there's forgiveness, we'll have to uh, suffer the consequences many times. Uh, but the thing about it is the Lord, is, his mercy and grace endures forever. And so uh, don't buy into the devil's lie. That shame identity, that comes from Satan. Uh, you're not what you did. You're not your worst act. You know, what would our lives be like if our identity came from the worst thing we ever did in our lives? 
Well, if that's true, then all of us are in trouble. If, if your whole life was identified by the worst sin or the worst act uh, in your entire life, uh, that would be terrible. But the Lord says, uh, you're not what you did. You're not your past sin. I can forgive you that. You can move on from that. All right? And so um, one of the things we need to understand is this was a crime that was punishable by death uh, when this came about. All right? So uh, let's go on with the story. John chapter 8, uh, verses 3 through 5. And it says this, And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such would be stoned. But what do you say? So they were, again, this was all set up to try and catch uh, Jesus uh, in uh in a compromising position, all right? Uh, but Jesus, we're going to see in a moment, he is uh, way smarter than they are. Uh, again, this was a crime punishable by death. It was one of the top three worst sins in Jewish culture. And so, according to Jewish law, uh, you're caught in adultery, you're stoned to death. And so, if Jesus, here's why this was um, a controversial thing. Uh, if Jesus agreed with them then he would lose his reputation for being loving and full of mercy but if Jesus forgives the woman then he is condoning adultery and he's breaking the law of Moses all right um, now so they they feel like they've caught him where he can't win either answer that he gives uh, they're gonna they're gonna uh, get all over him all right and they're gonna uh, condemn they're gonna criticize him no matter which answer he chooses all right um, let me say something about this too. Uh, that talk, you know, G, they they have it where if Jesus forgives her, then he is condoning the sin. Can I say this? I think in our culture we need to understand. Uh, listen, uh, I, we ha we all have loved ones in our life that are struggling with sin in their life. We all have family members. Um, maybe you're at this point struggling with sin in your life. And uh, can I say this? You can uh, you can love the sinner and hate the sin. Uh, you know, because I choose to love you and forgive you does not mean I'm condoning your lifestyle or condoning your sin. We can love people right where they're at. That's something our culture says is, you know, well, if I don't agree with you, then I hate you. And nothing can be further from the truth. I can disagree with you. You can know where I stand. You can know that I don't approve of whatever you're doing in your life. Uh, but I can still love you right where you're at. I can love you sin and all. I can love you scars and all. I can love you and forgive you. And we can have a relationship uh, while all that's going on, all right? So uh, just because somebody's in sin, somebody in your family, somebody you love very dearly is living a lifestyle that you don't approve of, that doesn't mean that you have to hate them or that you have to cut off all communication with them, that you can't just love them right where they're at. In fact, I would... I would recommend this to you. Just love people right where they're at. Love them in their sin. It uh, doesn't mean you're approving of what they're doing. It doesn't mean that you're approving of their lifestyle. Uh, but listen, Jesus loved people right where they were at. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. They bring her out and they throw her in front of Jesus and in order to humiliate her. And Jesus says, I, I don't condemn you. The, the Lord shows her mercy and grace not, not that he approved of her lifestyle, not that he approved of her uh, act of adultery, not that he approved of her sin, 
but he just loved her right where she was at, all right? So uh, I know most of us know where this story goes and how it ends, uh, but let's, let's go on, all right? So John chapter 8, verse 6. This they said, testing him. Again, this was all for a purpose, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Uh, then, of course, Jesus does something famous. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear, all right? And so the big question then becomes, well, what did Jesus write? Now, we've all read this story before, and we know that Jesus stoops down, and it says he wrote something in the sand. And the question has gone on for thousands of years, what did Jesus write in the sand? Well, it never tells us exactly, but many biblical scholars believe that he wrote the sins of the accusers, all right? And... Um, I'm going to give you a, one of the re, one of the main reasons people feel like that, and that that would be some that would be something we would all say. Well, that's that's pretty ingenious that he did that. But he stoops down, and uh, and I believe he's writing the sins of his accusers. Um, why do a lot of people think that? Well, it's because there is a, a Greek phrase used, uh, and it's two parts. All right, the word is katagraphene. And uh, the word kata graphene means to write down against. Kata means against, graphene, to write down. So the Greek word that was used here when it was translated into Greek was that he was writing down something against the people that were there. All right? So, uh, so Jesus' next statement also kind of um, leads us to believe that that may be what he wrote because then the very next Verse says this, so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, again, uh, so this would lead us to believe that possibly he had written their sins down in the sand. And then he stands up and he says, all right, I just wrote all your sins down. And though the one that was is without sin, you cast the first stone. And uh, again, brilliant uh, amazing and you know the lord didn't have to guess what their sins were the lord has the ability we can fool everybody in our lives you can fool your mom you can fool your dad you can fool the rest of the church you can fool every friend you got you can fool everybody around you but god is the one person you are not going to be able to fool uh, god knows our sins he knows what's going on in our lives you cannot hide it from him uh, he sees everything he hears everything and so uh, the Lord knew what their sins were, knew what their struggles were. He knew what their pet sins were. And uh, so he just called them out, basically, and just said, uh, if you think you don't have any sin, then you cast the first stone. And uh, so um, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, it was not only uh, in the statement that he did, it's, it's, it's not only what you did. You know, sin is not just what you did. But uh, God's word also says it's uh, we enter into sin when we have the wrong thought. You know, it's like, uh, you know, if I if I uh, didn't commit adultery with a woman, but I lusted after a woman in my mind, then I might as well have already committed the sin. If, uh, you know, if I didn't commit the act of murder, but I uh, had that thought about somebody, then the Bible says I've already committed sin. And so uh, that sets the bar very high, doesn't it? Uh, so it's not only what you've done. If you've even thought about it, then you've already entered into sin, all right? Uh, so let's, let's continue on. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. So then it says, and again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. 
then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Uh, verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And then verse 11, and she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, and I want you to, this is the key statement for today. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. Uh, now go back uh, to, uh, I think it was verse uh, 9 or uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. In verse 9, it says this, Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. All right? I just kind of thought, this is just kind of a side note, uh, but the older ones that are standing there, they immediately recognize, uh-oh, uh, he's, he's caught us. He's caught us. You know, he's written our sins down in the sand, and now he says in order to cast the first stone, I need to be uh, without sin myself. And so I believe the older ones who are a little bit wiser, who have lived a little bit more life, they're the first ones to leave. They drop the stones and they leave. It takes the younger ones a little bit longer. And uh, again, this is just a side note, but I think uh, it's interesting to think because I find the older I get, you know, you, you think when you're younger, you think, well, I'm going to get older and I'm going to get wiser and I'm going to know more things and... Uh, but I think if you're like me, what I've discovered, the older I get, the more I realize, the more I don't know uh, really how dumb I am, the more things I don't know. And so I think what happens is as you get older, you not only get wisdom, but you get some humility with that wisdom and you get the ability to realize that you didn't know everything you thought you knew. When we're young, we tend to have a lot more pride, a lot more arrogance to us. And I think that's what we're seeing with between the contrast between the older uh, scribes and Pharisees and the younger scribes and Pharisees, all right? The older ones, immediately when Jesus says this, they go, uh-oh, I see where this is going, and I don't like it. And so they immediately drop their stones and they leave because they've lived enough life and they've lived long enough in that life to understand, all right, I've, there's a lot of things I've done wrong in my life. And uh, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff, and there's been a lot of brokenness and humiliation in my life. And uh, I, so I think they immediately begin to realize that, uh, you know, I need to uh, show mercy uh, because I've done a lot of wrong things in my life, and I didn't always get what I deserve for those things. So uh, let's see. Then the younger, I think the younger ones, again, are still prideful and a little bit arrogant. They haven't been broken yet. And I would say this to you. If you're, uh, if you're one of those younger ones, let me just speak to the younger people. You're in your 20s or 30s. And uh, listen, I remember when I was there. And um, again, I, I think I knew a lot more than I, uh, I think I thought I knew a lot more than I actually did. Uh, I used to think it was my way or the highway. I used to think that if you didn't see things the way I did, then something was wrong with you. And uh, we just get a little more full of ourselves uh, in our younger days. And uh, I think one of the things that I've, that's happened uh, now that I've been here uh, on this earth 57 years is uh, it, that just gives you a lot longer to sin more, mess up more, uh, have a lot of brokenness and humiliation in your own life. And so what does that do? It tends to make me 
uh, be a lot more empathetic towards people and have a lot more mercy and grace myself towards people because I've been there. Uh, and I would say this, if you're younger and you haven't been broken and humiliated yet, hang on, hang on, because the longer you live life, the more things are going to happen and the more, uh, the more brokenness and humiliation we're going to experience in our lives. Uh, but what does that do? I'm here to encourage you, though. That makes you a better person. I would say this, the bad things that have happened in my life, the brokenness and humiliation that's happened in my life, it has actually made me a better person. It's made me a more sympathetic, empathetic, um, much more graceful and uh, gracious and merciful person. All right. And I believe it makes you look more like Jesus uh, once you experience some of that and you go through some of that. So young people, if uh, if you hadn't got there yet and you say, well, I don't I don't have a lot of sin in my life and I don't have a lot of brokenness and I've never been humiliated. I would just say, hang on. uh, It's coming. Uh, You'll live long enough one day. Um, So she deserved condemnation. This woman was caught in adultery. No question. Caught red handed. She deserved condemnation. But Jesus gives her mercy. Man, what an awesome thing. That's what Jesus does for me. That's what he does for you. He loves us so much that even when we're caught, even when we're humiliated, even when there's no question and everybody around us sees it, Jesus says, I love you, I forgive you. And one of the greatest uh, examples of this is another scripture from Romans chapter 8, verses 1. I know probably everybody knows it, but it is wonderful. Now, At the end of Jesus talking to the woman, he says, go now and sin no more. So immediately there there was no long deal of, well, go and go to a recovery program and uh, go, you know, do this for a year and then come back and uh, then I will show you some mercy. He just simply says, I forgive you right now and go now and sin no more. All right. The key word there is now. All right. So let's turn that around, and now let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Listen, when can the Lord forgive you? Right now. Right now at this moment. When can the Lord wipe your sins away and uh, cover them in the blood of Jesus? Right now, immediately, this very moment. Listen. Uh, that's not to say that sometimes when we're involved in sin, it's a process. I get that. And, you know, uh, with drug abuse or any kind of addiction, uh, you, you probably do need to go to recovery. You need to have some accountability on that. And it's a process uh, working in your life. Uh, but listen, the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace and the ability to start over begins immediately. The minute that you ask Jesus for forgiveness, He forgives you when, not tomorrow, not next week, not a year from now, right now. Man, that's amazing. That's a a great message. If you don't get anything else today, get that. Uh, You can experience God's love, his mercy, and his forgiveness for whatever's going on in your life immediately, right now, this very moment, all right? Um, Look at this next statement, because I, I feel like there's a lot of people need this word, because what happens is once we mess up, and once we get uh, kind of that self-condemnation going and uh, we hear not only in our own mind but maybe other people saying, you know what, 
uh, what you did is too bad. God will never be able to forgive you. God could never use you. Uh, you know, God has just kind of thrown you over in the trash heap. Uh, I want to give you encouragement today. Look at this statement. You are not what you did. You are not who others say you are. Man, we need to get that today. You are not what you did, all right? You are not what you did, and you are not who others say you are. Listen, why will the world try to drag you down? Because many people, the only way to build themselves up is for them to tear you down. Many people feel like, well, I'm not doing what God wants me to do in my life, so I don't really, really want to see God doing something in somebody else's life. And many times it's just because people don't want to see you succeed, so it's easier to just tear you down to make them feel better about themselves, all right? Um, here's a, a great statement. Uh, you know, Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go now and sin no more. And then Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, let me say this to you. I'm looking at you today and saying this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've messed up, own it, ask forgiveness for it, and move forward. You cannot relive the past. You cannot go back and change the past. But you can say, you know what, I'm moving forward, Lord, and I am going to do what you've called me to do. And I'm not, I'm not listening to my own self-doubt. I'm not listening to the enemy. Uh, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go right now. And I'm going to go and get on your program, Lord. I'm going to get on what you tell me to do. Go now, and we sang this earlier. Go now, sin has been defeated. The king is alive. Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All right? Uh, and I want to leave you with this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ you can go now and do whatever the Lord is calling you to do. You can go now and do the things that God has called you to do. God has not thrown you on the trash heap. God is not finished with you. God says, I have taken your sins and I have cast them as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. Uh, get on board, get busy, and let's get about God's business. Uh, let's pray together. I always want to give the opportunity if you were to say right now, uh, Mark, I, I don't know where I'd go right now. If I were to die right now, I don't know what my spiritual condition is. I don't know if I'd go to heaven or if I'd go to hell. And I just want to tell you, he is always as close as a prayer away. Uh, Romans 10, 9, 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto God. Amen. So uh, just pray this prayer. Pray it in your heart. Believe it in your heart. Say the words and believe it in your heart. Uh, just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Right now, I ask you to wash my sins in the blood of Jesus. I believe you died on that cross for my sins, and I accept your free gift of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to encourage you to do something. If you prayed that prayer, would you let me know? You can, uh, you can send a message uh, on this uh, Facebook page, or um, you can text me, send a message to me, uh, call me. Uh, my cell phone is 903-399-3284. 
just text me. Uh, let me know that you prayed that prayer. Then I also want to encourage you, as I did at the beginning, uh, we're still continuing to pray for people. And uh, even though we're not meeting here physically together, we still want to pray for you. So please uh, uh, text, message, uh, communicate with us somehow what your prayer requests are. We have a prayer chain ministry that uh, many people are on, and we send those out and uh, so you can get a group of people praying if you have a prayer need. So please uh, send us your prayer requests so that we can pray for you. Uh, we would love to do that and would count it an honor and a privilege. Uh, I hope that you have a great week this week. Uh, we are coming up. Don't forget, uh, this is what we call Holy Week. It's building up to Easter, which will be next Sunday. And uh, we're going to have a great message and a great time on Easter Sunday, even though we won't be able to all be physically together. Uh, we're going to celebrate our risen Savior. So uh, have a great week, and I will see you uh, next week on Easter Sunday. God bless you.